If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. We are so excited to bring you this show. Our podcast is all about unraveling all of your favorite mysteries from the Assassin's Creed games. Each episode, we'll be talking about a different topic in the Assassin's Creed universe. From pieces of Eden, solar flares, and the Isu, to the Hidden Ones, the Order of Ancients, and of course, the Animus, we will seek to uncover it all. So join us, and maybe even take a leap of faith. Hello and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. My name is Shelby. You might also know me as She Cup. And we are here today with a very, very, very special episode of the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. But before we get into that and tell you who we've got here with us, I'm going to let my co-host introduce himself. Yeah, and so I am Austin, also known as Teacup. And we're here for our special episode. If you didn't know, a couple weeks ago, we released a survey on some generic questions about the franchise and Assassin's Creed, like what games did you have played? What do you like the best? Who's your favorite? All those kinds of stuff. And we're going to talk about those results. And we have a special guest with us, the one and only Cloudy Atlas, who is here with us. Hey, Cloudy. Hello, excited to be here. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about the data. But before that, this is what we ask for all of our guests. Uh, if you listen to our Dragon Age lore cast, you might recognize Cloudy as she did our Dragon Age survey when we talked about all of that. Uh, but kind of what we ask all our guests is what got you into Assassin's Creed and what do you like about the series? Yeah, I first heard about it. I was very late to the game because I did not play video games in college because I was determined to actually do some studying and not video games. So I picked it up in, I believe it was 2014, and I started with one, and I worked my way through one, two, and three, and uh, and then I just kind of stayed with the series as they've come out, and I've kind of picked and like choose uh, which ones I want to play. It really depends on like where they're set. So yeah, well, we're here because you rock at interpreting uh, data for us 
And so you did helped us design this survey and to get there. So I think we can just go ahead and jump right in to all this stuff here. Yeah. So um, I think the first question we want to talk about is, you know, which of the games have you played? Which of the games have the respondents played? Um, and we have some pretty shocking numbers here. Um, and and basically what it comes down to is that 32% of our respondents have played every single Assassin's Creed game. That's a third of the respondents of this story have played all of the games. I feel like that's crazy. Um, I'm not really surprised by that. And I think it comes by from just that I played Assassin's Creed. I started with two and then went back to one. And I just remember playing that and getting so invested in the story. And so I think a lot of people have played. I would be interested in the data of how many people have played one through three. So the first five games, basically, which I know that makes zero sense when I said one through three. And there are actually five games in that, because I think that. When I played it, I got really, really invested, not only in the historical story and Ezio's story, but I got invested in Desmond's story. And we'll talk about more about this when we talk about our question about the modern day story. But by the time Assassin's Creed 3 came out, it had been five years, I guess, because 2007 to 2012. By the time Assassin's Creed 3 came out, I had to know I was going to get that game regardless. And then... Uh, I remember being surprised that they were going to release Black Flag because I thought Assassin's Creed 3 was the end of the game or the end of the story and everything like that. So I was surprised. So I picked up Black Flag and then the series kind of kept going. I think it did lose a little interest, but I think a lot of us hardcore Assassin's Creed fans were so engaged in the world by the time that we're getting to some of the ones that I think are less loved by the series, which is basically rogue through syndicate. But I think a lot of us had bought into that to a point where Assassin's Creed was almost like similar to Star Wars in that, yeah, we might be complaining about it, but the Star Wars name is on the Assassin's Creed name is almost enough to keep us buying and playing the games. Well, I think the data does back up what you're saying, because at least for our survey, you know, 77% of people have played one, 70, no, 84.8% of people have played Assassin's Creed 2, 87% have played Brotherhood, 79 Revelation, 76, 3, 77 Black Flag. So those are, those are some of, those are all the highest. And then it dips way down into the 50s for Rogue, Unity, and Syndicate, and then bumps back up for the final three. So I think the data absolutely corresponds with your argument here. Right. And again, I want to talk, we'll talk about this later, but Origins is such a fresh restart of the series that Origins, for me, of the most recent games is the one that I think feels the most like an Assassin's Creed game, but like being modernized in the context. Like, yes, you can't, you know, the parkour and the climbing isn't the same as it was in the earlier games, but like the stalking, the moving around and everything like that still felt very real to me. And it made sense to me, at least, because Origins was set in a less urban environment. 
than the other games. So I was going to say the opposite thing. That is, even though the number of participants isn't technically statistically significant, to have that higher percentage to have played that many games is very significant. But I guess we shouldn't be surprised if you are listening to this podcast and willing to fill out the survey. Like These are very involved and dedicated fans. So I guess it's not surprising at the same time, but I'm impressed. Color me impressed. Yeah, and I think I think that's a great point too because we have statistically significant like by how statistics and marketing works versus like what we would expect from the fandom. I think they're a little bit different. So statistically significant that 32% have played every game. Absolutely. Surprising from a fandom perspective. Maybe not as surprising. Right. I wonder how many hours that is in total. I can get roughly that data for you because Ubisoft Connect tracks all the games. So, but I know that I have probably over a thousand hours just in the RPG trilogies alone. That's crazy. Well, maybe a little less because I think Origins is sitting at like 157 hours. Odyssey is like 360. Uh, Valhalla is like 314. So I guess it's about seven, 800 hours just in the RPG trilogy alone. That's a lot of hours regardless. Um, okay, so I know we wanted to talk about which is which of the games is like the most played game. Um, we were gonna guess, but I know that Austin already <laughs> knows the answer. But I my pretend to be shocked. You're gonna <laughs> pretend to be shocked. Um, mm-hmm. I, my guess because I did not look, Austin, I didn't look yet but my guess honestly based on our previous conversation probably would have been assassin's creed 2 just because i know Ezio is also super super popular um or it would be valhalla because i know that valhalla is like the highest selling game for ubisoft in the assassin's creed franchise yeah so the top answer is actually brotherhood which I was really surprised by because my guess was two as well. And Assassin's Creed 2 is number two in this case, uh, with 82% of participants having played it. And then the third is Black Flag, which both of those did not surprise me. Brotherhood, I was not expecting that. Yeah, it's kind of surprising to me too. Um, but, you know, just kind of thinking about it, it, it does a little bit make sense because you can guarantee that everyone who plays two to the end is going to pick up brotherhood because two ends on a cliffhanger. Right. But it's an interesting game. I think what surprises me about it is I think that Assassin's Creed brotherhood is an interesting entry point for the game because the fact that it's above AC two means that, you know, at least 2% of people of our respondents here got would have played Brotherhood, but not necessarily played Assassin's Creed 2. So I just think it's an interesting entry point to the series. I did, If I was recommending it, I probably would not recommend it as an entry point. Yeah, that's fair. Do I think Brotherhood objectively is a better game than Assassin's Creed 2? I don't know about that. Brotherhood is very short. Assassin's Creed 2 is nine sequences. Or is 14 sequences. 
Brotherhood is nine. The shortest game is Rogue with six. And so I just, but like Brotherhood also has the, like building the Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. But like, why would you have the buy-in for that if you haven't played the other games? Like, I just am thinking like, what's the buy-in to Brotherhood if you haven't played two? Well, they may have played one. I guess that's true. So there would be that, but... Yeah, I agree with you that it is. it would be a weird entry point for me. What was the least played game, Cloudy? Do we know? Yeah, let me look. Uh, Assassin's Creed Rogue. That does not surprise me at all. Uh, for those who don't know, Rogue was released the same time as Unity. Like the same year and everything? Like within a week of each other. But and it and it was so it was so poorly handled in release because Unity was released and Unity had a bunch of problems. It was a change in the combat system. It was a change in how you did that. I think Unity is one of the hardest games of all the the series when it comes to combat. But and then Rogue comes up and Rogue is still in the old style. But everyone is pissed off at Unity because it has you know it has a two hundred gigabyte patch on within a week of launch. And so I think Rogue just kind of fell by the way the wayside. Kind of like I compare it again, I compared Star Wars earlier, but you know how like solo low performed because it rode the tales of the last Jedi. Which it just when you have a something that a lot of people are upset about. And I'm not saying whether it's a right way or a wrong way. I'm just saying that's the fact there were a lot of people upset about Unity. If you release another game close to that, it's going to perform lower than anything else in the series. But it's still surprising to me that Unity is still rated higher. More people have played it than Rogue, and it's the one with issues, not Rogue. Right. I think that it comes down to the fact that Unity is so different, whereas Rogue feels like a Black Flag expansion. Mm. Well, speaking of Black Flag... That was number three for um, most, the next most played game. Yeah, I don't know. Cloudy, have you played Black Flag? I played the beginning part of it. It is very beautiful, but I I know one of the reasons I stopped playing it is I kind of just got fatigue of that gaming style. It was like, go here, do this mission, next thing. And I just got kind of tired at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I definitely feel that. Um Black Flag can feel very grindy. Um, I think the reason that it's third is because, and this is my favorite way to describe Black Flag to a person who is unfamiliar with Assassin's Creed, Black Flag is the Pirates of the Caribbean game we always wanted. You've said that like four times on the podcast, Austin. I don't know if I've said that that many times on the podcast. It's been several. (laughs) Yeah, but I think that's part of it is that Black Flag attracted a lot of different people probably because, oh, you don't, because you really don't, to understand and immerse yourself in Black Flag, you don't really need to have played one through three. Sure. I mean, you won't understand most of the modern day story, but who at this point, does anyone really care about the modern day story of Assassin's Creed Black Flag? Well, we will get to that question later. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I'm not surprised by that either. Okay, well, let's get into the next question. Um, Which game is your favorite overall? 
this had an interesting answer to me. If you just kind of go based on what you hear in the fandom, you might be surprised that the number one answer for respondents of our survey is Assassin's Creed Odyssey at 18.7%. That really does surprise me. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw Odyssey as my favorite Assassin's Creed game. I think Odyssey is a great game and a beautiful game, and it has a really good story and it is a well-developed game. But it's not my favorite Assassin's Creed game. It's interesting to me that this is what they're going with because I would expect this data from someone who had like people who maybe entered with Origins or Odyssey and said this, but you know, 30, a third of our people have played every game. And so that's what I think is that combined data there is significant to me. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. But it's what else is interesting to me is that the next four responses, AC3 and Black Flag are tied at 15%. And then Assassin's Creed 2 is next at 12.2%. So yes, it's Odyssey, new game, but then the next four are old games. Right. And it's interesting to me to a point of that if you look up lists of like what's the best Assassin's Creed game again it defines like what do you mean by best and I think Chloe's going to kind of share a little bit about this when it comes to like is it best by which game sold the most is it best by ratings that these games have um or just general all like this is just like what is your personal favorite which I find is interesting because if you kind of go into certain corners of the fandom, you would think AC Odyssey would rank like 8, 9, 10 on the list. That it's literally the worst game ever made. Right. Do you think you're seeing a bias because Cassandra was one of, wasn't she one of, okay, first mainline female character that you could choose to play the entire game as her, correct? Yes, that's that's true. So I think we yes. might be seeing a bias from that. And from the people I've talked to in their views, I've seen, it's just people just really love her as a character themselves. Like she's just, I thought she was really cool and like, you used to be a badass. And the environment is wonderful. Like who didn't grow up watching like kind of mythology based stuff like Hercules and that kind of thing. So I was just like, I just want to be in this area and this world because I'd never had a game in that area before. I was just excited for the history and the lore of the region. And, I, right. and the I, marketing on that was aggressive. I remember they heavily marketed this game when it came out. Yeah, I remember I was sitting there like I would get this game like because we had Hulu with the ads at that point. And so when we were watching TV or whatever, ads for this game would come up like almost every commercial break. And anytime I was looking up on like a fandom wiki or anything this ads for Assassin's Creed Odyssey came out. And that was just, again, that was interesting to me. I think, I think it comes down to the similar thing of like, why I am not surprised black flag gets up there because I think that the con, the settings of these games, when it comes to Valhalla, when it comes to Odyssey, when it comes to black flag are settings that are typically popular 
in at least our like American Western media, pirates, Greek mythology, Vikings, like these are all very popular historical settings for our culture. And so people want to play games like this. And, you know, the similarities, and if you even look, the similarities between God of War Ragnarok and AC Valhalla, like sometimes people are playing Ragnarok and I can't tell if they're playing AC Valhalla or they're playing Rag- or God of War Ragnarok. Yeah, I I, I just think it is interesting um, what you've said about the settings. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. You know, we have an overabundance right now, especially of Viking games, Viking TV shows, Viking movies, like that is a very, very popular setting. And I, I, I think that you're right. And that, that, that may have led to a little bit of inflated numbers across the board for Valhalla in purchasing and people who have played it, you know, all of that kind of thing. But speaking on that, I do want to turn it over to Cloudy to talk about, you know, sales numbers, anything like that, that you wanted to mention. Yeah. So I thought the sales numbers would really determine favorite game because I work in marketing and that's how we determine success. Yeah. So I Googled it. Uh, actually, Valhalla was the fastest selling one, which I'm kind of not surprised by because they really caught kind of the the wave of that like Viking lore and like all of that mythology, I guess isn't the right term, but uh, all of that just like fandom. And so they really caught that. And uh, I didn't get total sales numbers. They really, Ubisoft really only releases like the first week's sales. But it's very closely followed by Odyssey, which was second to it. So I guess it was successful in some ways, according to marketers. Yeah, that that was also fascinating to me. Um, also working in marketing, because like that's what we measure everything by. Um, and then we have data here that's like, oh, well, you know, maybe not. So that, that throws me for a loop for sure. Um, right. And then funnily enough, uh, the third best-selling one was... Uh, Assassin's Creed 3, which sold 12 million copies in its first week, or fourth most most popular, sorry, it was the fourth most popular Assassin's Creed 3 at 12 million copies, and I remember the backlash being pretty negative when that game came out because it had a lot of bugs. So that's why I was very surprised when it was listed at number two for most popular. Code number two. Right, I would be curious... I don't know about you all, but I do not pay attention to tutorials in gaming when I'm playing a game. Like when those little things come up that says like, press this to do that. I don't pay attention to those. I just play the game. And especially when like when I if I come up to the new Dragon Age Dreadwolf game and they've completely changed the style in which you've played, like I don't have to push the X, Y, B buttons to use my abilities and all of that stuff with Dragon Age, I'm going to be grumpy about it. And Assassin's Creed 3 is a change in gameplay where you now have a, to do the counter style gameplay, you now have an additional button to push. And so I would wonder if like the critique of that and it lacking polish um, comes from the fact that Maybe people just didn't read the tutorials like me. 
and because I didn't learn how to actually counter until about halfway through the game. Yeah, I'd have to pull up the numbers on that, but that does sound really plausible. But I think it's also kind of what you said. Like, the main reason I continued with three is I really wanted to see Desmond's story. I was like, I must know what happens, and that's why I really wanted to play three. It wasn't so much that I liked the, the setting of colonial America so much. I'm, I'm not huge into, like, American history. I was like, oh, that'll be fine. I was like, will it be mostly forests anyway? So I really just wanted to see Desmond's story for that one specifically. Right. And I think a lot of Assassin's Creed 3 Blacklash comes from the fact of how long you play as Hatham for him not to be the main character, which is, yeah. I think, it's four sequences. The game is 14 sequences. You play four as Hatham and 10 as Connor. And two, like two or three of those sequences as Connor are also kind of tutorials. So you've got six sequences of tutorials before you get into like being able to explore and really grind the game out. That is a slow pace game, in my opinion. I would agree with that. Then I remember one of the largest complaints I heard at the time when I played it was uh, there's a lot of history in that time in that area. And they missed a lot of historical events like in the teaser trailer, they show Washington on the boat crossing the Delaware and like it was implied that it's going to be in the game and then it wasn't like there were a lot of historical things they just did not cover and a lot of people were very disappointed in that and like I mentioned with the biome itself not a ton to climb on and that's quite a drop and I don't mean that like aha uh -huh, sort of way uh between like Ezio's uh, environment where it's like you could climb on anything you could climb on churches there were like many many stories to climb on versus like this is a one-room house in the middle of a right. forest. Right. And I think with Assassin's Creed 3, I love Assassin's Creed 3. It's my favorite. I'm the person who would vote for it to be my favorite. But I think also to that point where it comes in for this is that in with the Ezio trilogy, you are really immersed into the world of, of, of Renaissance Italy. Like, or in Constantinople. Like, you feel... Like, you're in the going-ons of Italy at the time. Whereas, like, with Assassin's Creed, you're really only in the Northeast when a huge portion of the Revolutionary War was fought in the Southern colonies. You get a glimpse of the Battle of Yorktown, basically. And that's it. Which I think that's a big, a big kind of thing of, like, a lot of these major battles and major turning points you know, we don't really see because we're focused on the Boston and New York environments of this, which I guess makes sense a little bit because, you know, when you think of the Revolutionary War, you mainly think of events that took place before the actual war started, which is the Boston Massacre, the Boston Tea Party, the Battle of Bunker Hill, the signing of the Declaration of Independence, all of that kind of stuff. That's fair. Also, you know a lot about the Revolutionary War battles. <laughs> like, I would not have been able to list all those off. I I was that kid in, like, yeah. eighth grade. In our eighth grade history, we learned about American history, and I got really into that. And I got really into that because my dad thought it was a good idea to let, you know, a 14-year-old sit down and watch The Patriot with him. There you go. And I really liked that movie, even though that movie is extremely historically inaccurate. 
So then you had to do all of your unlearning of what you thought was true from Hollywood. Right. But yeah, no, I have always been kind of interested in the American Revolution. I And just in general, I like to learn like how things began and where they are. Understand that. So um, just to finish up this question a little bit, um, Cloudy, you put in the notes that you thought that everyone's favorite would be Assassin's Creed 2, which did come in third at 12 percent. But I completely agree. I totally thought it would be Assassin's Creed 2 because everyone is obsessed with Ezio like that he's he's the most iconic assassin in my opinion so i completely agree i thought it would be too so it's interesting to me that it wasn't yeah it just feels like ubisoft as a company really puts a lot of stock into his brand and his image like would you see oh assassin's creed's coming out regardless if it's like mirage or whatever it is i've seen pictures of just seo just like there and like i went to a <laughs> ren fair recently and like i saw a guy dressed as an assassin and he was seo he was seo yeah like, of course he was and like they put seo's outfit in every single new game as a skin like every single one and they put all tires too to be fair but yeah no completely agree and our data might actually support this if AC2 was all we got of Ezio. Would he be as prolific as he is? Well, based on the Brotherhood stat, no. <laughs> right. And that's my point. And, you know, I'm assuming Revelation kind of fit, was probably in a mid tier for like favorite or... um you know, most like who played this, like I bet it would be like a mid-tier just because it was an installment in Ezio's story. But I think that's why it comes in here. And I do think that AC3 and Black Flag, once you learn the combat system, are the easier combat systems to master. I think AC2 through Revelation, like you have to learn to get that counter timing right. Whereas you have a much larger counter window in AC3 and Black Flag. So I wonder if that is part of the reason why people end up doing that. And again, I can talk a lot more about that when we get to like the combat question. But yeah, but AC3 actually, people do love Hatham. They don't love Connor, but they do love Hatham. And, you know, I've been talking a lot on the podcast about how much I love Connor and how I think Connor is a perfect example of what it means to be an assassin. So maybe I have influenced these stats a little bit since people who listen to our podcasts are the main people who fill out this survey. That's fair. Um, but let's, let's move on a little bit to best story. So um, this is not a surprise to me and this perfectly fits my opinion So maybe I've influenced people, but our number one answer of what game has the best story is Assassin's Creed Origins with Assassin's Creed 2 coming in second and Odyssey coming in a very close third. What are y'all's thoughts on this one? Mm -hmm. It's interesting to me, Black Flag being in there, because I actually care very little about the story of Black Flag. Like, I do not like I don't feel the drive the same way that I do when I have to go after Flavius and Septimius in Origins. Like, the drive and need, like, the feel of need for revenge that I feel through Aya and Bayek when I'm coming there. And same thing with Assassin's Creed 2. Like, 
the point you are at where you're going to assassinate Rodrigo Borgia, you kind of feel that in the story. And I think that's part of the reason here. But Black Flag, I don't feel that. But I do feel that with Odyssey of like, you know, when you're going to fight Demos or figuring all this out that you're like, you feel the drive to do that. But maybe it's because it's been so long, but I have no desire. When I play Black Flag, I have to like say, okay, I have to stop hunting collectibles now and go do the main story because I need to do the main story so I can hunt more collectibles. Yeah, I don't care about the Black Flag story whatsoever. So, and I did forget to mention Black Flag and Odyssey are virtually tied at number three. Um, so I don't care about, about Black Flag story. Like, yeah, it's a fun pirate game, but to me, it's like, okay. That was fun. Let's move on to something different now. Sorry. Right. Um, I am surprised because I feel like looking at the graph here a little bit, there's a significant bump, at least statistically from that between Origins and the rest of the game. And so I'm just curious that I do think of the new games, Origins does have the best story. Uh, the most well-polished story and a story that like really makes you care about the character. Uh, I think Odyssey has that potential, but there's too much variance and too much choice and too much like openness that that story kind of gets diminished. The amount of people who picked Origins, it just blew everybody out of the water. It was quite a large percentage. Um, uh, 22% doesn't sound like a lot, but for this, it was the lion's share. So I think that's very compelling. And uh, that game was amazing. It felt like it just it felt like a script come to life and you got to be a part of it. And I think that's one of the reasons it just does so well in comparison. Like the other ones are great. Like everybody loves a good revenge story like Assassin's Creed 2. But like Origins, it, it, it was also a revenge story, but it was also very complex at the same time. If that makes sense. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, and I think and when I, you have when you have a game that's so emotional and not just like sad or angry or any one specific emotion, when you have a game that is comprised of so many different emotions, you're right. It does make it more complex and I think it makes it more real. And I have gone on a lot about how much I love Origins. Um a lot on this podcast, but I do think it has the best story. Origins is what I voted for um, because I do think that Bayek and Aya's story is the most gripping of any of the assassins. And also it tells the story of the origin, literally the origin of the assassins, which is something, you know, Assassin's Creed players have always wanted to know. So I think that also is another thing that gives it a little bit of a, a leg up over the other games. At least from a writing perspective, I feel like you can tell that more women worked on Origins than any other Assassin's Creed game before it. Just in the complex writing of the emotions and how the characters present themselves. I feel like I feel like Bayek is such a shift of being such an emotionally dynamic character. Whereas it's not that the others weren't emotionally dynamic. They just were closer to being emotionally static than Bayek is. I don't know. You all can tell me about that. I think that's fair. I would just be interested to know what the actual numbers are of like gender breakdown of writers and developers on, on the games, which we don't have that information 
let's move on a little bit to talk about combat, which I'm going to turn over to Austin. The one that wins, again, is Assassin's Creed Odyssey, followed by AC Valhalla, and then followed by Black Flag. Now, I know I crap on Valhalla a lot. Um, I find the combat in Valhalla very monotonous and very unsatisfying. But obviously, like, compared to the people, 18% of our people who are saying that um, obviously disagree with that. I think the combat in Odyssey is probably one of the more refined combat systems. I think this question has to do with versatility. I think it has to do with the fact that the top two games, Odyssey and Valhalla, really give you a diverse way of playing um, and a seamless transition between weapon types, which is why I'm surprised kind of Black Flag is in there. I wonder if Black Flag has a bump because of ship combat, which would explain Odyssey's kind of bump too, that it includes ship combat as well. But there's no real difference in Black Flag whether you're fighting with your hidden blades or you're fighting with your swords, like the combat is still the same. Whereas if you look at Odyssey and Valhalla, there are different situations where you're going to use different abilities and where you're going to need to switch to your bow or you're going to need a longer weapon to stay your distance. Like, you know, I don't know anyone who has played Assassin's Creed Odyssey who has been mauled down by a boar and getting close to that boar with your sword is not fun. But if you take out your spear or a longer weapon, you can kind of handle that better. So there are different situations that arise in Odyssey where there calls for a diverse style of gameplay and a more tactical combat, which I think with the rise of the Soulsborne games of From Software, with the rise of these more action-adventure RPGs, is what gamers are looking for, which is why I'm not surprised that Ubisoft has kind of gone this route. But I am surprised that this kind of is in here because as far as the fandom concerned, if you go online and you kind of kind of gauge just any one Reddit forum, AC2, the Ezio trilogy, that is like the gold pinnacle of Assassin's Creed. Like when it comes to combat, story, exploration, like everyone hails that as the gold pinnacle. I just feel like we do kind of see this dissonance and disconnect in the fandom of how we don't really know what we want or what we want out of this franchise, because we look at this, the most played game is Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, but the best story is Assassin's Creed Origin, but the favorite combat is Odyssey. So I have something to add. Something to bring up, something important to say is that just because someone or a group of someone's are the loudest in the fandom does not mean that they are the largest opinion in the fandom. And for that, I'm talking about people who hate on the new games um, because I did the math here and the people who rated Odyssey, Origins, and Valhalla as having the best combat add up to about 50%. So about 50% of the people who took this survey think the new games have the best combat. I think that that's statistically significant. I think that's true. I think what would like i think in a lot of people's minds what would bring these games at least in there is a refined stealth system and i think that's really what gets people is that 
with Odyssey and Valhalla, like stealth is optional. Whereas like stealth has never been optional in Assassin's Creed game until those two games. Yeah, I get that. Cloudy, did you have anything you wanted to add about combat before we go to the mid-break? Nothing statistically, but I do find it interesting that so many people liked Odyssey because they had a system in it where the enemies kind of level with you as you level, and I hated it. I loved the god mode where I saw there was like a general in one of the camps. I was like, I'm going to come back. I'm going to level a bunch and hit one shot this guy. No. And it kind of comes down to what Teacup was saying. I'm like, you need to be strategic. You need to be more Souls-like. And I was like, no, I just want to one-shot people. And that's yes. why I like Valhalla's combat better. I'm one of those people. No, I um, agree with that. That was one thing. Well, that was one issue I had with Odyssey for sure. Well, and I think that's an issue when it comes to stealth systems with the newer games in general, is that the fact that my hidden blade isn't a one-shot kill in Origins, Valhalla, and Odyssey, I think is a big thing, which makes sense now. In Valhalla, you have the option to say one-shot kills with your hidden blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Well, let's go to the mid-break, and then we can come back and talk about the rest of the survey. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Shoot! Shoot the flying demon! You weak fool! Get a job! Christina! Who's there? Me! Oh, it's you! I should have known! May I come in? Fine, but only for a minute. A minute is all I need. Indeed. Well, wait, uh, that came out wrong. All right. Well, welcome to the middle of the show. This is where we talk about all things that have to do with the podcast and not necessarily the lore of Assassin's Creed. And as always, the first thing I do in the mid break is thank all of our wonderful patrons. Thank you all so much for supporting us financially. Um, and important. Our patron episode is happening next week, so um, definitely sign up and join if you are able and want to support us in that way. It's the best way to support us, Um, so make sure to join the Patreon if you want to come on the show for patron chat. Um, But if you can't support us financially, we do understand that. The next best way to support us is by leaving a rating, a review, or a comment on Spotify. You can leave Spotify comments and ratings now, which is awesome and like we do for reviews if you leave us a comment on spotify we will read it out on the show if it's positive of course Um, and so i do have one to read today this one comes from n and they commented on our assassins versus templars world war one and russia episode and they asked which was a long time ago they asked can you make an episode about sages and or Bartholomew Roberts, who's the sage from Black Flag. And um, we'll definitely put that on the list. Thank you for leaving that comment. 
Um, and then the next thing I have to tell you about is our Discord server. It's my favorite place on the internet. So definitely hop over there and join us if you want to talk about all things Assassin's Creed. Tell us what you think of the survey. Um, just talk about any other games too. And then the next thing I have to tell you is about my current playthrough. I am currently, as of last week, playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla for the first time. So I have not made it through the like intro tutorial. I'm still in Norway, um, but I have killed Kyotve and all of his people. So I have made some progress. Um I really that's kind of all I've done. I am still getting used to it. I was very taken aback by the skills page with the stars and whatnot. Austin thought it was very funny because, you know, all the stars just kind of pop up there and you have to just watch the constellations appear, which is nice, but um weird and different and you know, it just seemed random to me and I wasn't expecting it. So Austin thought my reaction to that was hilarious for some reason. Um, and also I am unlike our respondents of the survey, I am struggling with the combat in Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I, I am kind of blind. I don't know if you listeners know this about me. And so it's hard for me to see a lot of stuff, especially when I'm in the snow. I had the same issue with Assassin's Creed 3 and Mass Effect Andromeda. So it's hard for me to physically, visually see um, some of the things that I'm trying to find in the game. So that is my current struggle, but I am enjoying it so far. I don't know if Austin has other thoughts about my playthrough. Just sit closer to the TV. I don't want to move and rearrange my my room. Okay. I'm just saying. But also, I, like, it, it's also, like, a level of accessibility. Because, like, when you're on the white screen with the snow and then the color that you're looking for is this light blue color, that is really hard to see. I'm not crazy. It's not just me. I promise. I know. That's fair. So it's it's just hard for me, but I'm getting there. Um, I think that that is everything I have to talk about in the middle of the show. So um, let's get back into it. Malaka! Malaka, Malaka. Unless the legend is a lie, you are the man I long to meet, renowned master and mentor. It's your auditori, the la la la. Prego. Uh, forgive me. I have a hard time remembering that Italian gibberish. I'll see you all at the selection ceremony, ladies. I especially hope you show up. Let me guess. He's rich. So the next question we have to talk about is probably one of the more anticipated ones. And so can someone, one of you two, correct me if I am wrong, but we did include in this question, like all of the playable 
Assassin's Creed, like protagonists, assassins from all of the games, not just the main games. So we included like Aya, we included main characters from side the side scrollers, we included liberation, we included DLCs on this on this question. Yeah. Uh the smallest person on the pie is male Avor. Interesting. Any whopping one person. I think that's interesting. Uh and I wonder how much that has to do with the fact that they canonized female Avor as like the canon choice. I feel bad for male Avor now. That's so sad. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, let's get into the um, actual favorites that we that people chose. So the favorite is not really a surprise to anyone. I I could probably like pull everyone listening to this and say, what do you guess the favorite is? And they would probably give me this answer. The favorite is Ezio. And that surprises me zero. He's the one we spend the longest with. He's one of the fewest, uh, or like one of the few assassins that we see from birth to death, which is a big deal. Um, And so that's just interesting to me. Next is Cassandra, which again, doesn't surprise me. Uh, She is a great character. And then uh, by a much closer margin connor and bayek get up there um again i wonder how much of that is my own influence on this podcast and that i love connor and connor is mine uh but you know it is interesting to me that and i'm not surprised Ezio has a very significant beat on like it's 28 percent 28.5 percent for Ezio, and then 14.4 for cassandra so that is a 13 13.1 lead on cassandra which is pretty significant i just think it's interesting that it goes Ezio, old character t- jumps all the way to cassandra new character and then bayek is up there too as a new character again this illustrates the point that we've made you know several times on this episode of okay well it's not actually just that everyone hates the new games the new games the new characters the new assassins are very popular by the numbers right um and i think that is interesting i think that we have to get in here for this and like i'm gonna i'm gonna jump out of order because i want to talk about this question in regards to the favorite assassins before we come in on if you like the modern story or not so this other question of which style of game you prefer. Our biggest like slice of the pie, again, is Origins, Odyssey, and Valhalla, which some people call the RPG trilogy. Which is uh, significant. It is almost a 10% lead on our next highest, which is AC3 through Rogue. And then... AC 1 through Revelation is 24%. And then Unity and Syndicate is last, which I expected. Um, That gameplay is kind of tough to swallow sometimes. But again, this shows that like people are really liking, at least in our survey, that people do like this style of gameplay. And then again, the style of gameplay through AC 3 through Rogue comes in second with that. Um, 
And so I think that's probably contributing when we see this, that, uh, you know, AC Brotherhood followed by Odyssey are some of our most played games. And then we have the style that the RPG trilogy is what people say, the style of game that they prefer. This data is really interesting because it is another point that like there is a significant number of people who do like these games, like these loud people on the internet don't speak for the entirety of the fandom. And I know, you know, I'm one of these people. I rag on Valhalla a lot because I don't think it's a very good Assassin's Creed game, but it is a very great, it is a great game. I just don't necessarily view it that it belongs in the same genre of game as the rest of Assassin's Creed but it is a great game and I think that we have to come to terms with that Valhalla Odyssey and Origins really got a lot of new people to play this franchise which is really good from a marketing standpoint I feel like Cloudy mentioned earlier that like as marketers they look at the biggest thing they do is is it making money Is it selling copies? Is it doing this? And I think that the studio looks at people, new people or other people buying into this game and they say, oh, well, this much, this might work. This must be working. Yeah, no, I think your point about we have to admit that the new games brought in a lot of new people to the fandom is a really good point. And I agree with it completely, but I just also think there are some people in the fandom that don't necessarily want new people in the fandom. They want things to say, stay the same way, stay like they've always been. Um, Which, you know, everything has to change. That's just the nature of the world. But yeah. Um, So, before we get into romances, let's talk about the question you skipped, Austin, because I'm afraid I will forget about it if we don't. Um, (laughs) Do you enjoy the modern day storylines? 77.8% of people said yes, and 22.2% of people said no. So, it's almost a three quarters, um, one quarter split. I found it interesting My opinion on this one, I don't necessarily have a strong opinion, but my opinion is that I see a lot of people on the internet talking about people who don't like the modern day storyline. So I don't necessarily see people talking about how much they hate the modern day storyline. I see people who are pro modern day talking about, oh, there's just so many people that don't like the modern day and they're going to get rid of it and we don't need to get rid of it. And here's why. So I was curious if this would be closer to a 50-50 split, but it's clearly not. It 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 is a you know a good chunk of people who don't like the modern day, but overwhelmingly almost 80% of people do enjoy playing the modern day storyline. Right. And I think part of the hate for the modern day comes from the like post-Assassin's Creed 3, pre-Origins kind of style of modern day story because they rely so much on media outside of the games to explain what's going on during the modern day story. I'll be curious when you go back and play those games, how much you do care about the modern day story 
because we've gone through and you've been introduced to some of these characters that are going to be introduced to you in that. And yeah. Like when you play Rogue and you see, you know, Johanny Otto Berg, like you're going to care more about him being there. Whereas when you play it and if you haven't read these comics or books, you're like, well, who is this? You know, I don't care about this. And I think that's where it comes in as where, but I think I agree in that the modern day story is crucial to the Assassin's Creed because that's what gives you the stakes of the game. And like, yes, there's stakes in the historical story, but that history has already happened. Nothing you do in that is going to change any outcome of what's going on. But what you do in the modern day story does. And I would be interested if they want like this free choice and like customization, it would be interesting if, you know, you get to, if we get this like customization, like build your own PC style of Assassin's Creed game, if the style of PC we build is in the modern day story, and that's the choices that we get to make based on the historical things that we experience, we then make choices in the modern day of what to do or not. I think that would probably be a better way to implement an RPG style system in the game rather than the in the historical context. I think that's very fair. I don't know if they'll ever do that, but I think that's a good idea. I really agree with you. I thought this would be more 50-50 because for me it was a when I had to do this question and answering it myself, I was like, it's a yes and a no, because I used to love them between like one and five. I was like, I, I need to know about the like the context of like why Desmond's here. I need to know why they've taken him and this kind of thing. And then as I was playing Valhalla, it was like, oh God, I have to do another modern day thing, please. And I would just like put on a podcast and like eat chips, try to like get through it. And I was not listening to them because I really didn't care because I found the historical stories much more interesting. So it's... Mm-hmm. It's tough. Um, I mean, they're trying. You got to tie it into modern day somehow at some point, but I don't know. It feels very like same trick pony for me at this point. Like, how does this tie in? Oh, okay. Right. And I think that Ubisoft has to decide, like, we can't just be. I think it gets exhausting to go into these historical contexts where it can be like, oh, it's all, it's the Assassins and Templars chasing a piece of Eden. And then we get to the modern day story and it's Assassins and Templars chasing a piece of Eden. Yeah. I do think the modern day stories are important and are an important aspect of the game. Mm -hmm. Absolutely agreed. Um, But let's move on to romances a little bit. So I kind of thought we could... Or maybe I will just read out kind of the the percentages and then we can, any of us, we can talk about um, any takeaways we had specifically about the romances. And we'll go through Odyssey first. So starting with Odessa, who had um, about 45%, and then Daphne, who had a little bit over 40%, and then we had almost a tie with Ikaterine and Kira, just under 40%, and then after that was, shockingly to me, um, Nima or Natakis with a little bit over 30%. And then next after that is Alkibiades, who had just under 30%. 
And then we had Oxesia. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, with about 25. And then Diona with about 23, 22-ish. After her is Zopharis at about 19. And then Xenia with 18. After that is Thaletus with like 12. And then we go down to Costa and Mikos, who have about eight and nine. Um, I will be honest, I didn't even meet a character named Costa, so that was not an option for me. Um, so basically, we have a lot of people who romance Odessa, Daphne, Roxana, Kira, and Nima slash Natakis. Like, those are the top um, for me, my takeaway, I'll go first because clearly I have an opinion. I am shocked that Nima slash Natakis is so high, not only because you are forced almost into a romance with them, but because it's in a DLC. Um, so that is surprising. That is shocking to me. Right. It will. It's interesting because in the next question, a DLC character is high again. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm not surprised by that in Valhalla, but this one makes sense to me because the top romances are the ones with the most story in them, which I think is why they get there. Like Odessa, you have to do several quests before you can even get to there. Whereas there are some romances you can come up and, you know, there's one where it's an old lady and you can be like, oh, your husband doesn't want to have sex with you. I'll have sex with you. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Hey, it's just as valid, okay? <laughs> yeah. I do it every time, okay? So don't I don't judge, but but I think that's probably why for that. And I think when we get to Valhalla where it comes in here for the top there, I'm not su- neither of these I'm surprised by. This is what I would expect people coming. And when we talk about romance, it's really only available in these two games. Yeah. So I wonder how many people didn't answer this because they didn't play these two games. Anyway, you want to move on to Valhalla? Yeah, um, unless, Cloudy, did you have anything you wanted to add about romance in Odyssey? No, other than I just love how much freedom this game gives you with mm-hmm. this. Like, this is truly, this feels historically accurate. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Take notes, Bioware. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so let's move on to Valhalla for a little bit. I'm not going to go through all of these because, frankly, there's um, not as many responses. It's not as varied. Um, Basically, there are three, uh, four-ish characters that kind of dominate this answer. And truly, there's there's one answer that dominates, and that's Ranvi. Uh, Not surprising, I think to most people um, and she, she was romanced by 30% of our respondents. Um, and then it jumps down to Petra with about 15%. And then in third place is Ciara at 11% and everybody else is way lower. Um, so those are kind of the top three. And I think Austin, you alluded to this earlier that Ciara is the DLC character for Valhalla, correct? Yeah, and I think it's like a K sound, so it's like Kiara. Oh, okay, well, sorry, um, I, I haven't can't... gotten there yet. Right, I have played through the Wrath of the Druids DLC once, and I have never touched it again. So I don't really know for uh, 
I don't know. And if you listen to this podcast, you know, do not trust my pronunciation of anything. That is correct. Um, But I'm not surprised by Randy. She's the most thought out story. She's one of the earlier ones you get introduced to. She has almost the exact same model as Cassandra. So that's also a factor in there. It's, um, and like her romance option is a main plot point, whereas the others you have to go and find and try to find. Uh, there are others that are main plot points, but Randy's is pretty early on. Mm-hmm. Um, Cloudy, did you have any takeaways from the Valhalla romance? I'm surprised and I'm not surprised. Like, I loved Ronby. I was like, I am so about her. She's amazing. But at the same time, I was like, this is my brother's wife. And I'm pretty sure that's in the Bible to not do that. <laughs> and you have yeah. to like, you have to kind of just put that on the shelf of like, okay, what do I, what are my priorities in life? Is it my brother or is it her? Fair. And I think it's interesting that like that choice of how you do the romance with Ranby has an effect on the main story. And so I think that's another factor there. Yeah, and I messed yeah. that one up. I jumped the gun on that one, and I didn't get the good outcome. Yeah. Luckily, uh, you have to mess a lot. You have to... I'll be curious. Don't. We're, we're not going to talk about it, because I want to see what Shelby's instinct is. For what? When she plays this game. Oh, okay. For, All right. There are certain choices that you make that affect certain outcomes. Um, but yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. But let's really quickly, because we're almost out of time. We've gone over, but that's okay. Let's talk about our takeaways. Whoever wants to go first. Um, It doesn't have to be you. I'll go first. My takeaway is that the Assassin's Creed, even in this sample size, which I will admit is not the largest, I think it shows that we're with the amount of games over there, we're kind of like unsure of what we want from a single game, which, you know, after taking away this, I kind of understand now Ubisoft's point of like, okay, we'll just, we'll make an RPG game. We'll make a game in the old style and we'll make something different and people can just pick and choose what they want. I only have one. So, (laughs) um, so I would say my takeaway, and I'm going to describe myself as like a moderate Assassin's Creed fan. Like I've, I haven't played nearly as many as the people who have surveyed here. Um, is that this franchise is just really so much more than Ezio. And I'm speaking as like, as I said, a moderate fan and a marketer of just Ubisoft. Sometimes it just feels like he's the only character in this game from just the imagery and the marketing and the costumes and the Halloween costumes and those kind of things. So it's it's really like, it's honestly refreshing to see that people really appreciate a variety of different games for a variety of different reasons and some of the characters or the combat. So I really enjoyed mm-hmm. reading through these results. Kind of like if you're just watching, you would think the only Pokemon is Pikachu. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so I had several things to say. First of all, I'm going to jump into romances because I find it hilarious that, like, nobody, all of the men were last. Like, no one hooked up with the men. Um, That's funny to me. But secondly is I thought if I had guessed um, who was going to be number one romance or number two romance, I would have put Alkibiades like up at the very top. I thought it was a requirement to romance him. I wouldn't call what we do with him romance, but I thought he would be number one. I thought it was like, you know, a requirement to play this game. Um, 
to romance him. Clearly, you know, he's like number four or five. So that was surprising to me. Um, but I also, you know, there were just a few shocks in the results. Um, so things like Altair shockingly low on favorite assassins for people who talk about him all the time. Similarly to Ezio is like, oh, the greatest assassin ever. You know, only 4% of you thought he was your favorite assassin ever. That's surprising to me. Um, and then next is that I truly don't understand the dominance of Black Flag in these results. And not that they were number one on everything, the Black Flag stands, but Black Flag regularly got into like the third place for some of these questions. And I don't understand that at all. Like, do not understand and then my last takeaway is that for a fandom whose loudest people are people who hate on Origins, Odyssey, and Valhalla, those games sure are freaking popular. Yeah, uh, I think we have a lot of self-examination to do as a fandom. I think we have a lot of work to do as a whole, as a group. As a, as a as a unit, we just need to take a minute and examine ourselves and <laughs> be thankful that our company releases content, unlike another company who shall remain nameless, Bioware. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That is very fair. Um. Do we have anything else to add about the survey, though, before we kind of wrap up for the day? I have one thought. I am yes. so mad at myself that I did not suggest which of the supposedly secret under wraps games are you most excited for or oh. the question of if you could remaster one, what one would you pick? I wish we had included those perhaps another day. Survey part two. Yeah, but first, Cloudy, if there is anything you want to kind of plug, anything you do, streams, anything like that, that you want to plug for our listeners, please go ahead. Um, nothing really I have to plug. I am in the cup server. You usually see me trolling around the Dragon Age area, um, asking a lot of questions. So if you want to talk Dragon Age, that is something I will endlessly talk about. Yes, we can always hypothesize about Solus, the one, the only. Um, but yes, thank you so much for helping us put together this survey for analyzing the data and the results. Um, definitely some fascinating and some shocking answers. And I can speak for the both of us and for the fandom that we are super grateful for the work you've done and definitely a fascinating topic to to come on here and talk about. Um, so with that being said, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. You can find us on Twitter at AC Lorecast. If you have any lore questions or topics to unpack, join our Cups Podcasting and More Discord server. It's the best place on the internet. You can also support us financially through our Patreon. 
find us on patreon.com slash Assassin's Creed Lorecast. The Assassin's Creed Lorecast is part of the Robots Radio Network. For more information about the Robots Radio Network, join the Discord server via the link in our episode's description. If you enjoyed the show or learned something new today, please subscribe, leave us a review, and join the Patreon. And if you enjoyed our intro and outro music, make sure you give a big thank you to Pipe Man Studios. Thank you, Pipe Man. Thanks again for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. And always remember, Assassins, stay in the shadows to serve the light. When a wasteland detective and a vault girl cross paths, no criminal is safe. You're both under arrest. Don't move a muscle if you know what's good for you. Based in Bethesda's Fallout series, follow Walter and Bunny as they traverse the Texas Commonwealth and New Vegas, busting big crime rings. We'll need all we can to expand into Vegas territory. And surviving anything the wasteland can throw at them. It's him! It's the Mothman! Featuring a series of nail-biting narratives and guest stars from across the Fallout community. It's anybody's guess what thrilling case is up next. War never changes, does it, Bonnie? No, it certainly does not. True Vault Escapades, a Fallout audio drama. Available anywhere you get podcasts.